Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. You know success when you see it, or you think you do, the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. Digital currencies just got name-checked by an agency many in finance would rather avoid, the Securities and Exchange Commission. For the first time, the SEC's Office of Compliance Inspections and Examinations put cryptocurrencies and initial coin offerings on a list of priorities that inspectors will scrutinize this year at the financial firms and advisors the agency oversees. What will the impact be? Here to tell us that and more is Robert Hockett, a professor at Cornell Law School. So, Bob, what does being a top examination priority for SEC inspectors mean? Well, it basically means that the SEC uh, will join the CFTC now in monitoring the markets for cryptocurrencies, watching them very carefully, with an eye to a couple of things. The first uh, is really kind of contained in that prefix crypto and the word cryptocurrency. So as that prefix would suggest, cryptocurrencies are terrific vehicles for money laundering, uh, for the financing of terrorism and other sorts of uh, illicit activities. Uh, and so there's some concern, at least, that some of the cryptocurrencies are being used for illicit, illicit purposes, and so they're going to be viewed with that in mind. The other reason, or the other significance here, is that cryptocurrencies have become a bit like um, other fad investments, like junk bonds, say, in the 1980s, or subprime-backed mortgage, uh, I'm sorry, subprime mortgage-backed securities uh, in the uh, early 2000s. They've become the, the object of a sort of fad uh, investment craze, and a lot of people have been borrowing in order to buy them. And indeed, some people have even taken out mortgage loans, believe it or not, in order to speculate on these things. That, of course, leads to systemic uh, danger uh, of the kind that the subprime mortgage boom did. Uh, and the SEC and other regulators have their eye out for that now as well. Bob, the SEC says that digital currencies fall under its oversight. Is that definitive? And what does that mean as far as SEC registration requirements and the like? Yeah, so I think it, maybe it's best to think of cryptocurrencies as following within uh, falling within a sort of overlap uh, between the jurisdiction of the SEC on the one hand and the CFTC on the other. And that's because cryptocurrencies are in some ways like a kind of commodity, like, like gold or some other precious metal of the sort that the CFTC concerns it with. But they're also a bit like securities, um, basically uh, financial claims uh, of the kind that the SEC is concerned with. 
Either way, right? Either it, whether it be whether uh, uh, cryptocurrencies be thought of as commodities or securities, it all basically comes down to the same thing. It basically means that they're subject to uh, careful monitoring by financial regulators, be they the CFTC or the SEC or both in common. Uh, and when the regulators are watching over them, or the markets for these things, they're watching for a couple of things. Basically, the things I mentioned at the top: uh, the uh, the possibility of fraud and double dealing, that kind of thing, uh, on the one hand, uh, and um, you know, sort of systemic danger uh, through uh, uh, hyper-investment, which can lead to a bubble uh, behavior on the other hand. The announcement about this new list and it being on the new list comes one day after SEC Chairman Jay Clayton identified regulatory gaps surrounding cryptocurrencies in a Senate Banking Committee oversight hearing. Mm. Are those gaps serious? Well, they would be serious if the, if the regulators weren't looking at them, right, weren't watching them. Um, but as it happens, they're not serious now that the regulators are kind of keeping an eye on them, because the regulators have all of the jurisdiction they need to act, right? That's largely thanks to Dodd-Frank. Arguably, they would have had that jurisdiction even before Dodd-Frank, but there's no doubt about it now that they have the jurisdiction. And furthermore, that they have concurrent jurisdiction, right? The regulators tend to work together now, thanks to the FSOC arrangement that we find in Dodd-Frank, in a way that they didn't do as well before. So, um, in effect, uh, what Clayton has said is that, well, there would be a gap if we weren't exercising oversight. And the fact that he's expressing an intention to exercise oversight effectively closes what gap there would have been. At that hearing, Clayton and CFTC Chairman Christopher Giancarlo called for greater oversight of cryptocurrencies, but they didn't propose measures to sharply curb the industry, and that led to a sort of sigh of relief from traders and gains for Bitcoin. Should they have been tougher? Um, I don't know that it's necessary to be tougher thus far. I mean, at the, at the moment, what they're doing is signaling that they've got an eye on things and that they're actually going to be intervening uh, as necessary. At present, I think what we're seeing is the potential for significant danger, but we're not seeing the actual manifestation in a big way of that danger as of yet. In particular, right, the thing that was most worrisome for me, at least, and I suspect for a lot of other sort of macro-prudentially oriented finance regulatory buffs, um, was uh, a news that came out in, uh, back in November and December to the effect that people actually were taking out mortgage loans in order to speculate on these things. And that's that's the kind of thing that leads to systemic risk, systemic problems that uh, basically endanger the entirety of the financial system and indeed even the broader middle-class economy. Until you get into that, the dangers are much more sort of restricted to just those people who engage in idiotic trading behavior. And we're not really as concerned um, you know, to sort of protect people against their own idiocy as we are to protect innocent parties who can be damaged uh, when idiotic behavior spills over, which of course it does when you've got a lot of borrowing going on in order to speculatively purchase things. So speaking of that, America's biggest banks have moved to ban their customers from using credit cards to buy Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. What are their concerns in about a minute? It's, uh, it's the same kind of concern, basically, June. What you really worry about is anytime anybody can use credit to speculate uh, on the prices of uh, any kind of exotic new investment vehicle, especially some, uh, some, some such vehicle that's the object of a fad, that's when you worry. Because, of course, then if the asset in question suddenly plummets in price, as Bitcoin has done, you've got a lot of people who owe more than they own because the debts don't go down with the assets themselves. Um, when you get people in debt in that way, people underwater, you get debt deflation. That's essentially what we went through after the 2008 crash, and neither banks nor regulators want to see that happen again. Thank you for your insights. As always, Bob, that's Professor Robert Hockett of Cornell Law School.
Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.